Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact retromaniapodcast at gmail.com. They say April showers brings May flowers. Well, May hasn't arrived, the flowers haven't bloomed, but marking out the days as for this month here on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network as we cover Season 3, Raw is 30. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth, from Kicking Out at 2, and joining me, actually, I'm one of the hosts, I should say. I'm not the host, I'm one of the hosts. Uh, I'm the host of Kicking Out at 2, but I'm one of the hosts of this show, Marking Out the Days, and joining me, the other host of this award-winning Hall of Fame podcast here on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast <laughs> Network. The architect himself of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. He crosses the T's, he dots the I's, he pays the bills, and he makes sure that everything runs smoothly uh, for all of you. His name is Kobe Naida. What's up, bud? <laughs> Jesus, what an introduction. Thank you, Dave. Uh, that was a Hall of Fame introduction. Um, you're... you're you almost got into uh, Hillbilly Jim territory with uh, introducing <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> maybe, we'll, maybe we'll make this a two-night uh, podcast yeah. event if that's the case. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm ready to get into this. This is uh, the aftermath of WrestleMania 9, and much like 30 years ago, what we're experiencing now is the uh, after effects of Raw. Like People were kind of shocked at the results. Were they not? Yeah. So this is, I mean, this is April 19th. This is a few weeks following WrestleMania. So um, they're heading towards um, King of the Ring and the upcoming King of the Ring tournament, as well as the controversy surrounding the WrestleMania title win of Hulk Hogan. Uh, so there's a lot to unpack here on this episode. Um, Money Incorporated cha- uh, facing the Beverly Brothers uh, in a tag team match. Razor Ramon and Virgil, Bam Bam Bigelow, Tatanka both in action. Uh, so we're gonna see um, we're gonna see all kinds of hijinks from the aftermath of WrestleMania nine on this episode. Um, j- just a you know a little side note here: um, these episodes, these 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 last couple of episodes that took place after the way that the WWF at that time was taping, they didn't air Raw live um, every week, and they certainly didn't air Raw live the day after a pay per view. Um, so this taping, I think took place a week after WrestleMania. So they're kind of up to date and current, but they're not, they just, there was a lot of matches that were like thrown together on these tapings and there, there was a lot of post-production, um, edits when it came to putting everything together in terms of the storylines and things like that. So, um, you're going to see a, you're going to see some interesting stuff on this episode, um, that, you know, the viewers that watched this live in the arena were, I don't know what their reaction was, but I would imagine, based on what they knew of, of WrestleMania, um, what they were seeing in front of them maybe caught them a little off guard. But, nonetheless, uh, April 19th, 1993, it's on the Peacock. You can find it. Season 1, Episode 13. Uh, from I'll play, you know, when I press play, 
When I say play, press play. I'll give you a little countdown, and uh, you know, from time to time, we'll jack the audio up. I might jack the audio up for the opening. How about that? We'll do that. Jack um, it up, dude. But before we before we get into it, you have anything to share, Kobe? Before we uh, we, we get into this uh, forty-seven minutes and twenty-six seconds uh, episode of Monday Night Raw. Um, um, no, I, I'll di- I'll divulge more as we uh, get into this watch along. People can uh, watch along with us, or just uh, chime in and listen to our banter and our historical notes. There you go about this time and how how it relates to uh, thirty years, to, you know, from the past to the future. Um, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, let's go. Let's do it. So when I say play, press play. Audio will be up for the opening. Okay, I'll play the audio. It's it's it will start with a Money Incorporated promo. Um, highlighting the evening um, in their match. So, without further ado, in three, two, one, hit play. <laughs> you two bleach blonde morons think you're going to bankrupt Money Incorporated when the Mega Maniacs couldn't do it? Who are you fooling? You're going to find out when you cross Money Incorporated's path, you pay the price. And Beverly Brothers, tonight you're going to pay. <laughs> Money Inc., tonight! Right here in front of everyone, we're going to show you how much you're worth. We're going to bankrupt you right here on Monday Night Raw. All right. That was that was, so, that was exhilarating. An exhilarating promo from I, the Beverly I actually, Brothers. I actually really, I actually really like those because they started doing that from Monday Night Raw and Superstars. Those side-by-side side promos, like with the side, yeah. the side angles. Yeah. No, those are cool. Yeah. I really like the uh, the style that they were going for there. And um, it, it lasted until almost Sean and Brett. That's, uh, they have a classic one when their rivalry is hitting up hot in 1996. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of disappear after that. Okay. Um, I, I'd almost like to see that return. Yeah, no, that, that, that was pretty cool. I, really I like those. those. Those were, those were it's, it was something different. It wasn't just the traditional stick man in front of the guy and he's got the microphone in his face and he asks him the questions. It was it, it, it was a little more intimate. I liked it. Yeah, they had one for uh, superstars in between, on the in-betweens of uh, our last coverage of Monday Night Raw. Um, it was Owen Hart and Bam Bam Bigelow doing the side by side, and uh, unfortunately, in that match, Owen Hart uh, blew his ACL. Oh, okay. Speaking of speaking of knee injuries, uh, Razor Ramon here coming off a knee injury um, heading into that WrestleMania uh, against Bob Backlund. Uh, that's why the match was so short and underwhelming because Razor is working with a, a knee injury. Um, and uh, he's uh, getting set to take on Virgil here, leader of the Meat Sauce Meat Sauce, Mafia. baby. Oh, yes. He is oozing ragu. You know, I, we, we rag on Virgil, ragu. but I must say I, I saw a video of him recently on social media. He's not doing well health-wise. Like, he's, uh, he's, he's looking for donations to help with, me, with, with medical bills. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he might, he might be battling some form of cancer. I don't, I, I don't have the notes in front of me, but I do know that he has been struggling. He hasn't made many appearances publicly uh, because of his health. And there was one video in particular where um, he was like sitting in his bedroom, I think it was. Um, or he was sitting on a bed, and he was, he was asking for, for help. Um, 
but he sounded very upbeat and, opt- and, and you know optimistic regarding his health. But it, you could tell like his his physical appearance had deteriorated um, because of his health condition. Wow. I mean, all jokes aside, uh, I was a Virgil fan as a kid. Yeah, I mean, Vir- you know. Let me let me I got let me, behind the underdogs. Let me just try to let me just try to, you know, help our listeners understand it here from from the mind of a of a of a young adolescent Dave Rosenbluth, and it it's a testament to the the storytelling at that time. Virgil was virtually a nobody. Okay, other than DiBiase's little, you know, henchman, his bodyguard, if you will, his manservant. Okay, slave. And <clears throat> sorry, he went from he went from being that to being one of his biggest adversaries, all because of the way that DiBiase had treated him and and how people could relate to him, and Virgil playing that sympathetic character very well. I I mean. I wouldn't say I was a Virgil fan, but I was definitely rooting for him when he was wrestling DiBiase because I yeah. hated DiBiase that much. So to me, it's a testament to D- both of their skills and being able to get the people behind him because nobody cared about him before. But once DiBiase yeah, started like a, showing like a three. his, um, you know, his a, a little more of a selfish side and mistreating Virgil and people caught on to it. I wouldn't say Virgil became a star, but he 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 got pretty popular. People wanted to see him beat DiBiase, so that kind of yeah, that kind of helped invested in the story. add some longevity to his run in WWF. Even though he's you know pretty much yeah. working as an enhancement talent here against Razor Ramon. Yeah, and he um, he definitely like he got the fans behind him throughout that like it's like a three year story arc with him and DiBiase. Mm-hmm. And now he's he's finally on his own here, um, but he does fall victim to Yakazuma. Uh, so he, he he's ending his tenure in WWF throughout this next year in um, 1993. Yeah, he made a quick cameo in the '94 Rumble. Diesel tossed him out pretty quickly. I don't know if it was a one-off or he was still under contract or, or what have you. But um, yeah, the, the Virgil Virgil wasn't long for this world. Uh, wrestling-wise, um, you know, in the WWF during this time period. Speaking of uh, long for this world, I mean, uh, it's it's been a year in real time since Scott Hall has passed away. Yeah, the bad guy. Yep. Yeah, that 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 was Just passing. That was a tough one. Um, you know, it's 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 never easy when you know some of these guys pass away and. Um, his passing, I mean, I, I was a big Razor Ramon fan. Um, yep. He was, it, he, we've talked about it before, you know. Scott Hall just, he, whatever he had, he exuded he a, this, like, cool vibe to him that, like, that just lasted for decades. And so many people were inspired by it. I mean, Damian Priest, current WWE superstar, kind of um, pays tribute to him every week during his entrance where he does like the, the, the airplane, you know, arm wingspan kind of entrance, you know, that, that Razor Ramon used to do when he used to come through the curtain. You know, I've done it at Walmart when the doors open uh, a few times, you know, going, <laughs> going to about what are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing the Scott Hall entrance, you know, leave me alone. Go get the milk. Yeah. And, and he's, uh, he's, you know, cross 
barriers with uh, Drake wearing a, a Razor Ramon shirt, famously. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's just definitely like a pop icon. Uh, looking back at it in the NWO, he was he was the him and Nash were the cool factor. Oh yeah. In NWO, and uh, it wouldn't have been as successful if it wasn't like, the two of them that got it all started. I mean, mainly Scott because he was the one that kicked things off with that promo. You know. Yeah. So, but yeah, unfortunately, yep. it's been over a year since he's been gone, and uh, and, and you know, the other thing about it being so tough, at least from my perspective, was the fact that for so many years publicly, we knew of his struggles with his with his personal habits, with his addiction to to alcohol and drugs, and it and it become a point where fans were just like. When's the shoe going to drop? When are we going to find out this guy's dead in the gutter somewhere? Like, how many more chances are they going to give him? You know, the re- the wrestling culture, the wrestling community. And he really turned his life around um, with Diamond Dallas Page under under his care and got himself in shape. And he made the convention circuits. And eventually he went into the Hall of Fame twice. Um, and then, unfortunately, covid COVID hit and he was living by himself and when you've got nothing to do and you're by yourself, he, he, he you know, his, that old habit, you know, it, yeah. it, it came back and it didn't die hard. Um, and unfortunately yeah, Kevin, that Kevin Nash speaks about it. Kevin Nash speaks about it a lot. Um, the, you know, the, the drinking culture at that had followed them and, uh, still kind of does, you know? Yeah. It's those demons, man. I hate that term. Demons. So, so the, the life, the life on the life on the road, though. You, they, like you said, you build those bad habits, and uh, uh, unfortunately, um, it, it it hit him hard. There's allegedly supposed to be a dark side of the ring of Scott Hall in um, the newest season. I've heard. I, I, I well, I heard that they asked him. I guess on Kevin Nash's podcast, click this. They had asked him to participate. Him and Waltman and and Scott's son Cody. I don't know if they've continued. Um, with production of it. I know the upcoming Dark Side of the Ring is going to include Chris Candido and Sonny, Abdullah the Butcher, Magnum TA's car accident, and probably the most the most talked about episode of this upcoming season that will definitely turn some heads, Marty Jannetty. Um, oh, I'm hearing the Marty Jannetty one's going to be absolutely insane. Um, but yeah, I don't know if... Uh, if they're going to move forward with production for the Scott Hall Dark Side of the Ring, I mean, what 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 else is there to document regarding his regarding you know the the dark side of his career that has been publicly well known? I don't. I mean, those Dark Side of the Rings are cool, but at the same time, like I just feel like they're they have a very like tabloid National Enquirer dark side to them. Absolutely, not, no pun intended, of course, but just like it, exploiting the. The, the the negatives of the wrestling business. I don't think it's really done to like send awareness or like send a positive message. It's just pretty much like it's kind of it's 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 I don't know. I some of them are good, and other ones I'm just like, all right, we've heard this before. Like, do we have to go through this again? Right. So yeah, it gets redundant. But like you said, it's kind of like a tabloid thing at this point. Yeah. Um. I, I, I'll definitely check them out, but I won't be you know. Too hard pressed. Hello, um, there's I a like raw girl. Shake it stirred and raw. I'm sure she does. 
Excuse me. Um, I'd like to merge companies. Uh, I have a big endeavor for you to uh, swallow. Uh, so you're going to yeah, be a part uh, of this group called the Ultimate Fellatio. Ch- I mean, the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Oh my god. <laughs> oh yeah. Here we go. Giant Gonzalez coming out. Uh, Razor Ramon picked up that victory against Virgil, and uh, I guess. This year for Razor is kind of settled until he gets back into the intercontinental picture, which was a mess with Sean and Marty. And uh, you were talking about Marty in the dark side of the ring. I just uh, listened to a Shane Douglas interview Uh because around this time in 1993, he was in WCW wrestling uh, as a tag team champion with Ricky Steamboat. Ricky Dragon the Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat the Dragon. Sorry. Um, I knew you were going to get that one. But... uh, Shane Douglas says uh, he left WCW for ECW, which happens in this time period of this month Uh that we're talking about. Um, And the reason being is because Bill Watts leaves and Ole comes back in for booking and Shane Douglas asked for more money and uh, was kind of denied and he was working on a uh, day-to-day basis with the company. So anyhow, in his story, he talks about he originally was going to come into WCW with Marty Jannetty as the new Rockers, hmm. but there was a ha- there was a house party that Marty Jannetty had, and somebody died at the house. Oh, interesting. I wonder if that will come up so on Marty Jannetty's might... dark side of the ring. Not yeah, interesting that so somebody died, uh... but the fact that, of course, it's it's centered around Marty Jannetty, so. Right, and it's 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 around this time period, thirty years ago, that this is all happening. So, hmm. uh, very interesting stuff there that I, I I learned from Shane Douglas recently. Wow. Well, I mean, yeah, we can all speculate as to, uh, you know, I don't have the information in front of me, obviously, but we can all speculate how the individual passed and how it's related to Marty. But speaking of past, uh, we definitely passed on commentating this match here, as it's. Uh, L.A. Gore. Yeah, L.A. Gore um, took one for the team, earned his 500 bucks of enhancement talent money. Maybe I don't know if Vince was paying that Shit. back then, obviously. They, they were struggling. $25, probably. They were probably getting like maybe a, a hot dog and a handshake or 125 bucks and a hand job from Pat. I mean, I'm sorry. Um, someone, who, <laughs> someone who you don't want to get a hand job from right now is Luna Vachon. I'm going to play the audio for this. With I told you. 
Um, the pull apart with Sherry and Luna seems to be the birth of the e- evening gown matches. Yeah, I was just gonna say yeah, that that had a very like Attitude Era Vince Russo kind of vibe to it. I don't, Russo it wasn't lasted with them for the a time, while but, too. Um, it was. It, it does. It remind lasted me for of... a while too. Like they milked it throughout the the that whole show. Um, they they kind of fought for like ten minutes and into the crowd, and the crowd were all about it. Like. Uh, they wanted her to rip her bra off. Yeah. Um, these fans are getting ravenous at the time, and I think it's a lot to do with the uh, culture outside of WWF, the uh, ECW presence that is starting to be uh, birthed out and shown on TV. Well, yeah, that's... Um, a more bloodthirsty bloodthirsty audience. Yep. I mean, New York crowds, that was you know that, that was taped in uh, Poughkeepsie, where, where this episode is currently... Um, we're currently watching... Uh, they have that strong Northeast tie to ECW, so it doesn't surprise me that um, that kind of fan base was was into that segment. Uh, you could tell by watching some of that that, um, I mean, Luna got a good chunk of her clothes. You could see that she was ripping something, but it, I was afraid Sherry, well, I wasn't afraid, but I, I, I would have, oh. it looked, it appeared that Sherry was concerned that her fun bags were going to pop out. Um, Yep. Yeah, I, I would. I wouldn't have been. You know, I wouldn't have been uh, mad about nope, it. No, no, definitely yeah. not. Definitely not. Definitely. So not. Uh, we have Tatanka here going against uh, uh, John, the, the assistant manager at John, Planet Fitness. Yeah, yeah, John Burr, Job Burr. Uh, yeah. So anyhow, uh, interesting stuff here as they still try to push Tatanka. Even though he suffered a loss at Mania. Yeah, but that didn't do anything to hurt him. He was still popular. Yeah. Right? True. Or are you one of those True. that's going to be like, oh, he got buried? No. No. Okay. Uh, Just, I mean, we talked about it. I think that it, it did halt some of his momentum, not being undefeated still. But I digress. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it uh, certainly did, but... I don't know. I just remember him being very popular. Crowds were into him. I, I, I mean, I was ten years old at the time, so I didn't have any. Um, I certainly didn't uh, have any thought in my mind that he was being buried. But I wasn't, you know, into that that culture yet of, of wrestling with the, the dirt sheets and all of that stuff. Yeah. behind I, it. Um, back to the Sherry and Luna thing. Uh, Rob Bartlett was involved in the middle of that, which was actually. Kind of funny his uh, his acting during it, getting uh, smacked and being in between the two women as they brawl, um, and they've been dressing him up in makeup and kind of making him, you know, a fool. But he only has a twelve week run with Monday Night Raw. Yeah, because so they probably realized he fucking good... sucked. 
Yeah, I think we're going to be saying goodbye to him very soon. That's fine. I mean, I didn't get it when I was younger, but I understand they were trying to do something different and they were trying to appeal. Because, I mean, the, the idea behind Raw was that it was going to be a, more or less like they were going to air, they were going to tape and air the shows regionally, like in the New York tri-state area. Um, and because he was a radio DJ in New York and a comedian, he had some notoriety in the area. But I don't know what, I don't know. I, I'm guessing it was just something different they were trying out, and he didn't yeah. really gel with the wrestling audience. So, yep. Uh, two unly, undesirable tag teams coming up here. Some dissension from last week. Uh, Money Inc. and the Beverly Brothers. Money Inc. gave Beverly Brothers some uh, money to get some info on uh, the Steiner Brothers. And it was the worst thing ever. Ever. All they said is watch out for the Frankensteiner and uh, watch out for the suplex. Speaking of which. You could have watched. Yeah. Well, you could have watched that. a fucking match and known that. Yeah, hell yeah. Ico Pro, man. What do you think, while we're on the topic of the Steiners, what do you think of that whole controversy surrounding Rick Steiner at WrestleMania weekend? Oh, boy. It's put some... Uh, some people with some, uh, it doesn't look well on Braun Breaker. Yeah. Uh, and we've, we've, I've seen the reaction from that. I mean, uh, I, I don't know what the details were. I think it was, I mean, he was talking about Giselle Shaw, correct? Yeah. Giselle, Giselle Shaw is a transgender, um, uh, female, uh, wrestler for impact wrestling. Uh, apparently, Rick had hurled some insults at her, saying that she was a freak and she was a man, and um, you know had a, had a few you know disparaging remarks in front of everyone at the WrestleCon convention in Los Angeles during WrestleMania weekend. And um, good on WrestleCon's part that they they kind of nipped it in the bud, and he was no longer allowed to appear, and he is still no longer allowed to appear at the convention. Um, he was booked through a third-party vendor, yeah. but WrestleCon had made it clear that, you know, you're not welcome here. And so Rick's services were no longer needed that weekend very early on. I think it was like Saturday, I think they told him. Because he was in attendance at the WWE. I think this event, this incident took place on Friday, um, March 31st. Okay. So then he was att- he was in attendance at the Hall of Fame ceremony with, with Scott. Because uh, I saw that. I watched that. He was sitting in the audience there. But, um, yeah, moving forward, he is no longer allowed to appear at WrestleCon conventions. And I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if he's also, uh, he won't be appearing at many other wrestling conventions through different vendors because of this incident. And also, too, he's a member of a school board in Gwinnett County, Georgia. So, oh, God. that doesn't look good either. So, we'll see. Yeah, I, don't, I haven't heard anything for regarding that, that, but I just would imagine that based on how much traction that story has gotten in the last few weeks that it won't be good moving forward. Yeah, it's pretty tasteless uh, for him to do that publicly. Um, you, you, everybody can have their own opinions and everything, but uh, to do it on a, uh, a manner of where you're um, in front of a lot of people, that's pretty unprofessional. Yep. Um, and you would, th- you would think it would be fucking Scott. <laughs> well, I, so, someone someone put it out, out out there on Twitter. I don't know how true it is, but someone 
Someone put it out on Twitter. I saw it on my timeline the other day that Scott was the one that actually instigated it, and Rick was the one that uh, kind of pulled the trigger. But I don't know hey, how much of that. Look at that freak! Look at that booty on that freak! Yeah, I mean, who knows? I, I honestly don't know. I mean, everyone's got their opinions, and we live in a different world now, um, where our society is is more accepting, or is at least in the process of becoming more accepting of of individuals um, uh, uh, in that community. So um, if, 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 you know, hey. if it's not for you or you're not, you, you're not accepting of it, that's fine. Uh, but I didn't think it was necessary for him to make the comments that he made in front of everybody. Um, and there, I, I guess there were a yeah. lot of people, you know, within the business that had witnessed it too, that didn't really do anything about it. Um, and it was kind of, wow presented as like oh well it's just rick steiner because i guess the steiners have had a history of their bullying over the years jericho made a comment about it too that weekend that he had witnessed steiner the steiners bully some guys and he stood with giselle shaw so it got it got a lot of traction wrestlemania weekend um but yeah it is what it is it's unfortunate and uh you know hopefully he can learn from it and maybe you know Get a little more background and education on the subject, and maybe he maybe he can be more accepting of, of individuals in that community. I don't know, but yeah, we'll see if uh, we'll see if his son gets punished or not too. I doubt it. Um, it's got nothing to do with him. Yeah, He's. We'll I mean, see. they they you never know they, they turned work. him heel on NXT because the crowd was already not into him to, as a babyface to begin with. So I doubt that kid gets punished. I actually, I'm, I'm certain he's not getting punished because of that. Because I had nothing to do with him. He wasn't even there. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's. He wasn't even there. Yeah, right. Yeah. He wasn't even there. You know? um, let, let's talk about the, the match going on. Three of these guys have sons that are wrestlers. Yes. Uh, multi, multi, multi-generational wrestlers. Yes. Pretty cool stuff. Um, as speaking of, you know, the Steiners who feuded with the Beverly brothers at this time. And, and then 30 years later, uh, Braun Breaker and Von Wagner, who is the son of, uh, Bo Beverly. The one that just got tagged in. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's, uh, yes. Yes. Doesn't matter. They're fucking, he's a Beverly brother. The one that's in the ring right now working on DiBiase. His kid wrestles in NXT. Yes, sir. Yes. Von Wagner. Um, yeah, so it's, that's pretty cool. I think, uh, I love seeing stuff like that. Generational, um, athletes and wrestling tells a story too. When you get the sons meeting up, um, which speaking of what, what, where the hell is, um, Jimmy Hart is with Hogan, correct? Yeah. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah. Is that who you're so looking Hogan for? Hogan is not pre. Yeah. Hogan is not present. Um, they did do some in-between stuff on April 11th. They went to Sheffield, England at the Sheffield Arena for UK Rampage 1993. Huh. They brought in 7,300 people. Um, you want to hear the match card? Yeah, go for it. Fatu defeated Brian Nobbs. Doink the Clown defeated Kamala. Mr. Perfect defeated Samu. Bob Backlund defeated Damian Demento. I'm sure that was a barn burner. Actually, I watched it. It stunk out the joint. Um, 
Typhoon defeated Brooklyn Brawler. Crush defeated Shawn Michaels by countout um, in an Intercontinental Championship match. And then the main event saw Lex Luger defeating Jim Duggan by disqualification when Yokozuna came in. Uh, they were beating down Lex Luger. And then Mr. Perfect came out um, and attacked Luger. And then uh, Duggan comes out and saves everybody. And uh, the crowd chants USA at a UK show, <laughs> and that that was your UK rampage. That sounds like a that sounds like a C town card, like oh yeah, like not an A town, not a B town, but a C town card. Like the only person, yeah. the only people. I shouldn't say the only people. There's probably Michael's perfect, Yoko, Luger, and Duggan are the only ones that had real like star power. Everyone else was just kind of, eh. Wow. Yeah, and only one match went more than 10 minutes. So they were definitely uh, f- phoning it in. Or um, what do they call phones in London? I don't know. Uh, te- I should know this. My, they bro- my, my brother-in-law's from over I there. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, they tellied it in. If you, the telly. If you will. Yeah, they tellied yes, it in. Yes, they tellied it in. Well, while we're on the subject of the UK, what are your thoughts on AEW um, is going to be hosting All In at Wembley Stadium in in August? And the actual stadium that's that fits ninety thousand people. If um, it, it, I, it, I think they can do it, it. can fit ninety thousand people. That's for sure. I think they could do it. Um, UK fans have a big. Uh, AEW has a big following of UK fans, uh, fans from the UK, rather, if I can learn how to word that correctly. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, they uh, they definitely have a big following over there, so um, I think with the right card, uh, CM Punk returning, possibly, I've heard news yep. of, uh, I think they, they, could, they could definitely... Um, sell the joint out, if not make a big impact on um, a, their first stadium show. Yeah. Really. Now, it, let me what ask you, you something. If, if tenants for their, for, for their, for their shows, I think is the, um, the Arthur Ashe stadium show in tenants for their, for their, for their shows, I think is the, the Arthur Ashe stadium show in, in, in the Arthur Ashe Stadium show in in, in Queens uh, that they did, which was like twenty one thousand and some change, right? Okay, so that's the highest attended AEW show that they've had. Do you think that them not hitting ninety is looked at as a failure? I I absolutely don't think so. Same. I think them Same. just getting went. Them getting Wembley is is a victory, yeah. Right now, because um, regardless, they're going to have more than twenty thousand fans, uh, unless the booking goes absolutely bonkers, and we have a shitty card and everybody's injured. Well, I guess uh, like I, the, which, the, I, there was like a pre-sale sign up. It wasn't necessarily pre-sale like tickets going on sale, but it was like a sign up to like to to be involved, you know, to for, for the pre-sale and. They had 25,000 people sign up. So already okay. right there, you've, if, if those 25,000 people were to purchase tickets for, 
for the event, which on average you figure 25,000 each person is probably purchasing two to four seats at the most. You've already broken your attendance record uh, that you set the, with the Arthur Ashe Stadium show in Queens last year. Yeah. So to me, that's that's looking I think it's success. A- I realistically, can they fill it at ninety? I'm like back and forth on it, fifty-fifty, where I'm like. On one hand, they like you said, they have a strong fan base over in the UK to the point where like their shows do better than the WWE shows televised over there. Okay, even though the WWE has a strong um, hold on that audience, AEW is just strong, if not stronger, over there. And I'm not the biggest AEW fan, but you know, I'll I'll call it like I see it. That fan base is so rabid and so strong that. For those that missed out on the Money in the Bank show that's going to take place a month prior at, at, at the O2 Arena, they're probably going to want to buy tickets for All In. And that's probably a lot of people. So I could realistically see them off the rip getting 50 or 60. And then I think by the time the show drops, depending on what their production configuration is, if they're going to have a big, giant, elaborate stage and a set, I think they can get, I think they can get 70. I think by the time Showtime rolls around, you get 70. And that's nothing to sneeze at for a stadium that fills 90,000. Yeah, I think uh, it's a victory overall and a success. Yeah, I'm with you there. So I totally kudos agree. Kudos to them. Kudos to them for uh, getting in that market over there where they know that they have a, a, a big audience. Oh, yeah. Todd over here. Speaking of big audiences, WWF Mania. That was an interesting show yes, back indeed. then as a kid. That little studio Saturdays feel to at it. 10 Saturday mornings. Still had yeah. that Saturday morning feel. Why don't we play the audio for this coming up? It's a Brett the Hitman Hart promo with none other than <clears throat> the the former owner of... Oh, no, I'm just kidding. He's not the former owner. He still owns a piece of WWE with that... UFC merger that we'll talk about at some point, I'm sure. But there's this... I have 40, 49% of control and uh, um, about 20% of my mustache. Well, I, <laughs> I've heard actually it's a, it's a, it's a little bit less. Um, he'll really only oh, have wow. like 18% uh, voting, major, voting power, um, which isn't much wow. on that board. Um, I've heard that the share... I mean, the shares... The numbers haven't changed, but basically, bottom line is once that once the ink is dry on that deal with, with WWE and UFC and that merger, he's not going to have the power and the stroke that everyone thinks he's going to have. You know, even with creative wow. too, people think that he's going to be so hands on with creative. I'm willing to guess that he's not, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's play the audio for this promo here with Bret Hart. Standing ovation when you stepped into the ring at WrestleMania, you were wearing. The World Wrestling Federation Championship belt. Unquestionably, you knew as you faced this 400 plus pounder, that 500 plus pounder, that you were the underdog. Well, you know, it's not the first time I've been an underdog. I think pretty much my entire career, I think I've always walked in the ring for some reason. I've always been an underdog. And uh, being the World Wrestling Federation Champion was a very, very uh, challenging thing for me. 
and I felt almost always when I went in the ring, somehow I ended up always being an underdog. And uh, <laughs> for some reason, I kind of like that. I like uh, going in the ring as an underdog. And this won't be the first time. I know a lot of people think that the Hitman's done, that I'm finished. This is as high as I'm ever going to go. But I don't think it could be more wrong because uh, I've won and I've lost before. I've lost the World Tag Team titles twice. I've lost the Intercontinental title twice. And I can remember all kinds of people, all the skeptics saying, he's finished, he's done. That's as good as the Hitman's ever going to get. Well, they were all wrong. And they're all wrong this time. Let me ask you something. Do I look like a beaten man? I feel just a little bit naked, that's all. But uh, I want everybody to know one thing. I believe in myself and I believe in my fans. And I gotta, I'm going to go straight right back up to the top. And the first thing I can do is make myself a little hit list. And that's what I got. Ooh. And the very first guy on my hit list is the narcissist, Lex Luger. Right. Yeah. Now you're talking about someone running up to you and nailing you in the side of the head on the day of the biggest match of my entire lifetime. And I don't want to even give the narcissist credit for any of that. He wants to go around telling everybody that he cost me the title. Well, we'll see all about that, because Lex Luger, the narcissist, is the number one first guy priority on my hit list. There is an investigation, as you know, in terms of the forearm, a rather controversial forearm, and you were not unconscious at that WrestleMania brunch. Well, I've never been knocked out like that before, and I've never been, I, I mean, I've been hit with elbows. It sort of comes with the job. You get hit with elbows all the time, but I have never, ever been hit with an elbow that hard, and uh, I think Jack Tunney should put some kind of an investigation into that elbow, because I think uh, there's a little more to it than bone. Let me put it that way. What will it take for you to once again realize your dream? What will it take for you once again to be World Wrestling Federation champion. It's gonna take for me to start out like I did before. I'm gonna take the narcissist, I'm gonna show him that this isn't bodybuilding, this is wrestling. And when he steps in the ring with me, he will be stepping in the ring with the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And then as far as the rest of them go, Yokozuna and even the immortal Hulk Hogan, just remember one thing, the Hitman is coming straight right back up to the top to get back what's rightfully his. Oh, wow. See, I was, he, he, they didn't mention Hogan in that promo until towards the end. I was kind of wondering if they were avoiding him speaking of Hogan, but that was, uh, that, got that a was little, an got thing. a little reaction. Got a little reaction, though. It did. Uh, I like it. It did. That New York crowd um, was was kind of into it when he when he I said like Hogan. The, they're uh, like, ooh. I like the um the the fact that you know Brett Brett says he's going to have a hit list. Yep. And uh, essentially, this feud with hello, 
Hi. Sorry, I got distracted. Um, this feud with Bret Hart, Lex Luger, and Yokozuna last a year, essentially. And, but the, uh, but does it really, though, if you think about it? Because Luger... It's stretched on throughout the year. I mean, the, I mean. the three of them were um, all interlinked and intertwined with each other, but I don't think that was the way they intended it, if you, th- if you really think about correct. it. Luger was a bad guy at this point, and he hadn't adopted the Yankee Doodle Dandy um, American hero yet. And Brett, throughout the course of this, this summer and towards the end of the year, had his rivalry with Jerry Lawler. So, I mean, they were all linked with yeah. each other, but was it designed to be a feud? In my opinion, no. Okay. That's well, just maybe me. it's That's long-term story. Maybe it's long-term storytelling, Dave, kind of like uh, Cody and the uh, the bloodline. Maybe. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it'll happen next year, like how Brett finally gets his big moment at WrestleMania 10. That could be. I, I, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, um, I wasn't... I'll, you know, since you brought it up, I mean, we can we can talk about it briefly. But I, I wasn't against Roman winning. Um, although I will say, I was I was most I was the first time in a very long time I was torn as to who I thought was going to win this match, win that match at WrestleMania a few weeks ago. I really was. I had Same. I was like, oh well, Roman wins. He gets close to a thousand days. Um, you know, they could really establish him more, um, even though he's already been established. But at the same time, if Cody finishes his story, it makes sense. But then, you know, there's nothing wrong if Cody loses on the first try and it helps enhance his story. And <clears throat> I was I, I was so back and forth about it that, like, when the bell rang and when, before the bell rang, Cody's entrance, when he gave his weight belt to Luke Harper's kid, the late Luke, you know, Brody Lee, John Huber. And he had his mother and his wife and his daughter and his sister there. And he hugged and kissed them. And they did the pyro. I was like, God damn, he's got to win this now. They did all of that. Uh-huh. They had a t-shirt that said, finish the story. And it, 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 it emulated the WrestleMania 7 poster with Hogan on the mountain with the American flag. I was like, they got it. He's got to win. And when he lost, yeah. I jumped out of my seat. I was like, oh, my God. I mean, excellent match. In my opinion, best WrestleMania main event of the modern era. I think it was. I think it was better than. Oh, I can't. It, it was a. To me, it was a classic. I can. I can get behind. It really that. was. I can get behind it. Okay, and with that being said, I have no issue whatsoever with Roman winning. Even even, you know, I was. Bottom line, he should. He, there was no issue with me on on that end. If, if if Cody won, I wouldn't have had an issue with that either. Cody winning or Cody losing makes sense. Roman winning or losing makes sense. There's no like bad scenario here coming out of it. Yeah. Is what I'm trying to say. I think uh, I think it could be a story told um, throughout the year, kind of almost like what we're gonna see throughout this year, 1993, with Doink and Bam Bam, another story that lasts almost a year. They meet at WrestleMania 10. Yes. Yes, they do. I mean, I don't know what this is here if it's That wasn't that wasn't um Matt Bourne, correct? That was. Bourne Bourne would be with the company till close to Survivor series. And he would have some issues and they would let him go and then that's when they put Ray Apollo in the the, the that was also too. Here's the other thing. 
story I've heard over the years is that um, the four doinks with the Bushwhackers and Men on a Mission, that was um, that was uh, that wasn't the original plan for Survivor Series. They had originally, mm-hmm. you know, Matt Bourne to be included in that, and he was let go from the company. I think there was some personal issues, demons, if you will, um, uh. that caused that. And so, therefore, they had to call an audible with the four doinks. So, they, they put men on a mission and the bushwhackers in that role. Um, and it actually worked out. It worked out just fine within the context of the story because Doink was playing mind games with Bigelow. And so, he sent, you know, men on a mission and the bushwhackers to dress up like Doink. So, it, it, it made sense. I, I guess. In some, in uh, some Bam, weird Bam, way, Bigelow. it did. Bam Bam Bigelow beating up Phil Apollo here. Oh, look at that! Uh, I don't, I don't know if there's any re- relation to Ray Apollo. I doubt. But... I don't know. I honestly don't know. Yeah. So uh, let's let's get into the merger then. Uh, you wanted to talk a little about the future of WWE and what might be. Yeah, I mean, why don't you go first? Well, I think right now um, UFC is valued a little bit more than WWE, but WWE will pass that. There's way better ways to market the athletes through WWE with uh, predetermined results, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I can I can see UFC stepping up some of their production or uh, crossover with some of the athletes uh, absolutely but uh do we want that as wrestling fans do you want that as a wrestling fan dave what do you think i i, I don't i don't see i don't see as much crossover as a lot of people are, are predicting or expecting that's just me i really don't i see maybe a conor mcgregor you know doing something with them maybe okay um i i, do, I really don't see much you know, maybe maybe Ronda. Maybe there's maybe the, you know one of the female MMA stars gets into it with Ronda, but I don't see a whole lot because they're two different worlds. You know, I could see UFC maybe adopting some of WWE's production style into their presentation, and I could see yeah. maybe WWE adopting some of UFC's um, sports-centric uh, presentation into their programming, but I don't really see a whole lot of crossover. I, the, you know, UFC's valued more, and I think because it's valued more, they're going to, well, speaking of, this is ridiculous. Let me pause for a minute here. Friar Ferguson. Friar Ferguson and Bam Bam Bigelow. <laughs> Friar Ferguson, the former Norman the Lunatic in the WWF. He would eventually become Bastion Booger in the WWF. What the hell was that? Yeah, had a lot of uh, gimmicks. Uh, came back to the Stampede days. Um, he was mocking Singh. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so back to he, what I was saying. His little gimmick. I'm sorry. Uh, well, hold on. He's Friar Ferguson, but his little gimmick is to drink out of that water thing, and uh, he sprayed it in kids' mouths last week. Uh. But uh, my 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 whole thing when I saw that is. Vince McMahon must have saw the movie uh, Robin Hood with uh, Kevin Costner, mm-hmm. and, because there's a friar 
uh, in that movie that's drunk and like just pouring beer on himself. If you remember, yeah, that movie. yeah I can um, see that. So he's that. essentially just stole that character and was like, "We need a friar on TV," and he's drunk. So, <laughs> that was my thought. Goddamn, pal. Okay, back. what's your last name? Ferguson. We're finished. That's great. Right. <laughs> but um, have you ever this, seen this Raw comes to an end here? Uh, as we continue the conversation, we'll kind of go a little bit off the beaten path. Yeah. But I think, I think what the merger is going to do is going to help add more value to WWE. You might see more of these of the the stars of WWE receiving endorsement deals, um, similar to what the athletes in UFC get. Um, I don't know in terms of the pay. I'm not a, a, a marketing expert or an accountant. I don't know if the pay structure is going to be differently. From what I gather, this is the best case scenario for WWE. They merge with UFC. UFC acquires their assets. They have majority shares. And it's business as usual. UFC is different. WWE is different. They both operate different. UF, Endeavor, when they purchased UFC um, a number, uh, back in 2014... That was the goal. Let it run the way it's run, and you have our financial support. I think the same thing said for WWE. Now the difference here yeah. is Vince McMahon. He's no longer the buck don't stop with him anymore. He's an executive chairman on their board, okay? And their board's going to consist of six folks from Endeavor, five from WWE. It's an eleven-person board. Vince only has eighteen percent shares of WWE once the ink is dry. And so he's not going to have as much stroke and as much power as he used to have. It's not going to be a situation where, you know, he'll step right back into creative. And then if there's some kind of mutiny amongst the talent, he can just be like, well, fuck it. It's mine anyways. He's got people to answer to now. More so than he did before with Ari Emanuel and Mark Shapiro. And so the other thing, too, that you got to take into consideration is that Vince, his current stock and shares in WWE, those shares won't transfer over to TKO shares, which is going to be the name of the the, the IPO um, when WWE and UFC officially merge and go public. Those won't convert. So he's cashed out, okay? He's cashed out with his shares. Huh. Now, he will have some shares in the new company, but it's only at 18%, okay? So he's not going... To, from the knowledge, from from the information I read, he's not going to have as much power as as many people predict. And he recently, before the merger, signed a contract to stay on as a chairman, an executive in the company. And there's an out clause. So if he gets voted out, or if he gets let go, or if he resigns, he walks away with his full pay in that two year term. If he if he leaves before the two years. Now, the board can vote him out, too. That's another thing that people don't realize. Everyone just assumes, like, oh, Vince merged with them. He's going to take over creative. Hunter's, you know, been... Hunter's been pushed off to the side as head of creative. I don't necessarily find all that to be true. I think he'll be involved. But will will he be involved to the extent that he was before? No. You know why? Because I think Endeavor... Endeavor wants him involved. They see what value they ha- Vince has, but at the same time, they also see what value the company has brought without Vince's involvement in, in, 
in the last eight months or so. So I, I think agreed. I think we're looking at a different landscape with with Vince involved, and I don't see, like I said, I don't see him having as much stroke and as much power as as many claim he does or claim he will have. Because he'll have to answer to, to, to the rest of the board, and he's got no voting power on the board. Not like he did in WWE, where he had majority voting power. And that's how he got back the position as chairman. That's that's the only reason why he got the position back as chairman. So, we'll yeah. see. Um, I think I think he made off with a lot of money, like a evil villain with a little mustache. And, yeah, uh, I, I, he's got. I'm sorry. I think he's got to know. He's got to know that that, that 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 thing's drawn heat. <laughs> like he's got to know. Like that that people but, don't. Like I, mean, I can't find. It. I can't sit here and be like him walking into the into the office and no and and him not knowing that people think that thing looks fucking silly on him. He's got to know. Mean, he's, he's, I think he's, he's doing it for attention. Yeah. Yeah, he's well. He's he's richer now, so he doesn't care. He's at the end of his road. Uh, he's gonna live life. Um, yeah, I think the advertising they they made twenty million dollars in straight up advertising. Yes, uh, from WrestleMania alone. So I think this is a big, big uh, thing that we'll see. We'll see more WWE on TV. My question is. What happens to the library? Do they stay with Peacock? Uh, do we eventually get dual libraries, or are they, they going to so focus on their? That's a different. That's a different avenue and a different discussion. The the library and with Peacock, their their deal with Peacock, I think, goes till twenty twenty five, maybe twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five. I think it's twenty twenty four. Um. Now, here's what I find interesting. If if those of you that are keeping track. Keeping score. The announcement was made Monday morning. Okay, it was made public Monday morning. That interview of that announcement was taped Friday on CNBC, and I think that was done for a reason. Okay, so going into WrestleMania weekend, obviously Vince and people close to him, Nick Khan, maybe even Triple H, they knew that the company was going to be merging. Okay, the news broke of it Sunday morning before WrestleMania Sunday. That the the endeavor was the favorite to acquire um, the company, and they were going to make an announcement Monday. The announcement happened Monday, but it was taped Friday in Los Angeles at CNBC Studios, which is also a parent company of NBC Universal, which WWE has a television rights deal with them for USA Network. I think that was done purposely. I think. I think there's a good chance that NBC NBC Universal could acquire the rights to WWE programming, all of it, USA. Or I'm sorry, SmackDown on Fox and Raw on USA. I think I think Fox. I don't think Fox is going to be in the running. I, I think Fox took a stab at it, and they realized what they paid for they didn't get, and I think NBC Universal is eventually going to acquire the rights. Now, there's other, there's other avenues. Me, personally, here's my theory, okay? I think because of this merger, you're going to see SmackDown. You're going to see SmackDown be the first wrestling show to go straight to consumer, meaning it's streaming only, streaming exclusive on Peacock. Huh. 
That's my theory. Okay. And it adds Hmm. some more value to their hub and their library of content being that that's the show that's going to be straight to streaming on Peacock. I could see that. Um, I mean, they they tried it with NXT on the WWE Network. Yeah, Um, and it was successful. People, the diehards of NXT watched it. They did good numbers. Yes. Yeah. So Only time will tell then. Uh, This is an interesting time to uh, be a fan, a modern day fan. Uh, We will see where it goes in all opinions aside and everything. I think it's just this is the evolution, the next step in wrestling. It'll never be the same after this um, on the mainstream level as well. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I had a good time this episode, though. Yes, I did. Me as well. Even though, even though, honestly, this this episode kind of sucked. It was a it was a a sleeper episode. One of those. uh, I don't know. I guess I I saw it or I I thought about it in a fever dream because I I don't even remember this episode and I've seen all the raws. But yeah, this was a a a one one of those stinkers. Yeah. Well, we got uh, so. The month of May, I think, definitely cooks when it comes to raw content. Um, so, for instance, the month of May, we have five choices to choose from. We could choose the Ooh. May 3rd episode, which will see Shawn Michaels defending the Intercontinental Championship against Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Or Ooh. we could choose the May 10th episode, where Shawn Michaels will defend the Intercontinental Championship in a lumberjack match. Ooh. Or... The May 17th episode, which is probably the, 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 the most notable one out of that month. Razor Ramon and the 123 Kid, the night that the 123 Kid upsets Razor Ramon. And also on that same episode, Marty Jannetty faces Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental Championship. Oh, we got to watch that one. I'm uh, thinking that's, that's the one episode. that we're going to be watching next month. Now, yeah, and you, you the other, as you're reading the, the off other, those, but those... there's other good episodes too. May 24th, Mr. Perfect Bell's Doink the Clown in a King of the Ring qualifying match, and Razor Ramon throws down a challenge to some cash to the kid. And then May 31st, Steiner Brothers in action against Giselle Shaw. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> It's a oh, it's a find your penis on a pole match. No, I'm just teasing. Oh, I'm just God. messing around. I'm just messing around. I don't want to, I don't want us to get kicked so, off. So, uh, even though we're not affiliated, so I think, but but I, I think I'm with I you. Think, uh, May seventeenth. That's what we're gonna watch. Yeah, and then you reading those back the uh, those weeks of results. Man, Sean was really Mister Monday Night at the time. He was. He was. Yeah. He was. He, they, they were definitely serious about. Um, about his role on the show, and they were going with youth. They were going with the new generation. Sean, Brat. I mean, Duggan's not new generation, yeah. but Steiner Brothers. You know, yeah. they, they were Razor, one, two, three, kid. They were pushing younger guys, newer guys. So they were they were they were serious okay. about I, it. So, but yeah, May seventeenth, nineteen ninety three. Let's do I it. I got it. Razor Ramon, one, Dave, two, three, kid. It. Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty. Yeah, that that's gonna be a fun Dave, one to watch. I, I got it. I got it. The 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 end the end joke for our, our uh, joking aside. Uh, the Steiner brothers going against Giselle Shaw and the Razor. 
Ramon. No. Okay. Sorry. Well, I oh, I don't. <laughs> Sorry. I won't. I won't even. I, I, won't I would even tell you to edit that part out, but don't. <laughs> I'm going so that to. People, so that people can realize how bad that joke was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Um. I don't know how hey, we're going to end it now because you just totally fucked up the whole vibe with your little razor jokes. <laughs> I would have been more. I would have been I, if you snuck in an Owen Hart falling from the ceiling joke. That would have been more oh, appropriate okay. than what you just did. Sorry. All right. Sorry. We're we're editing that out. No, Thanks everybody care. for joining us. I I can't I can't wait to uh, to drop that episode. Um, the next one coming up. That's a that's a classic episode from May, and the Raw Archive. Everybody. Like, rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show. Thanks for joining us. The archive is always evergreen content. Um, thanks for listening. Dave, I will see you next time. Sign off. and uh, All right, bud. Back. Yeah, thank you. Uh, work on your joke telling for our next episode. And uh, look forward to uh, being with you all again next month for the month of May here on Marking Out the Days Season 3, Raw is 30.